Hey guys, welcome to the third episode of I Know Nothing About MMA. I'm your host, DC. Not that DC, not the great Daniel Cormier. Good luck this weekend, DC, by the way. And today we're going to be looking at the Derek Lewis versus Oleksiy Olenek card. Probably butchered his first name, but oh well. Lewis versus Olenek. How's that? And we're going to be looking at the whole card, really. This was a very fun card. Not a lot of heavy betting favorites on that card. I like that. Not a lot of showcase fights on this card. Just a lot of great, evenly matched up fighters fighting. And we're also going to be looking at a little bit of news. Just a tiny bit. Just a tinsy, wincy bit of news. So, yeah, I hope you enjoy the show. Let's get right on into it. Alright, let's talk about the Lewis versus Olenek fight. Now, going into this fight, I thought this was going to be a hard fight for Derek Lewis. I thought Derek Lewis would struggle against Olenek more than he had against other opponents. I thought the wrestling would be a big part of this matchup. And I thought, look, I wasn't giving Derek Lewis enough credit. You know, I'm not a fan of these fighters who one punch can change things. You know, I don't put a lot of esteem into that. A lot of credence into the idea that... especially You should at heavyweight, by the way. You definitely should at heavyweight. A lot of credence into the idea that one punch can mean lights out. And against Olenek, it certainly meant lights out. But I thought this fight would go very differently. Well... To be honest, I was being served correct after the first round. Derek Lewis was struggling on the ground against Olenek. He was in a head and arm choke. Olenek gassed himself out badly trying to get that choke. He should have just calmed down. Chill out, dude. We've got four more rounds to fight. Um, I think he thought he was going to get it. The squeeze looked really tight. Don't know if you can get that kind of choke on Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis is a bit too thick for that. But, yeah, he expended a lot of energy getting that choke. Derek Lewis... I'm still not sold on Derek Lewis after this fight. I think Derek Lewis will struggle if he does fight. Curtis Razorblades, I think he will struggle in that fight because Curtis is a lot bigger than Olenek. Olenek only came into this fight at 224 pounds. Not a big heavyweight. Certainly not a big heavyweight. Derek Lewis came in at the maximum weight limit, 265 pounds. And by the way, guys, that's so strange, isn't it? That they have a max limit on heavyweight. In boxing, you don't have that. In boxing, you can come in as fat as you want. I think the same should be for MMA, since there's no super heavyweight category. Very strange. But anyway, I digress. That's another conversation for another day. Derek Lewis showed in this fight why he's the black beast. I'm, not, I'm still not sold on him. I think there are fights in that heavyweight division where he struggles badly. But you got to give credit where credit's due. The guy has that one-punch knockout power. He has that power that can change a fight. Yes, I did just say that I'm not really big into that. But I'm not going to deny its existence, am I? It's definitely a thing. He has that one-punch knockout power. Now... Olenek in between rounds as well. Let's just talk about that as well. Olenek in between rounds with that lying down. 
<laughs> Paul fell to try to cover it up. He was obviously fucking gassed, guys. He was obviously super tired, super gassed. And we had Paul Felder saying, I like what he's doing here. He's getting that leg up. And he's putting all the blood to the heart. And he's significantly decreasing the heart rate. And it's like, dude, I know that's your job as a commentator to cover up these little things. But no, that was not the case. What happened was Olenek was fucking gassed. He was super tired. And Derek Lewis, after watching that, gained a lot more confidence as well. He was like, yeah, let's fucking do this. This guy is gassed. And he was absolutely gassed as well. And Olenek is obviously an older fighter. He's like 43, 42, and he's had a long career. This was something like his 75th fight or something like that. If he won, it would have been 60 wins. That's crazy. That is a long career. And he's been a great fighter in that long career. But Derek Lewis showed him that, yes, the knockout power definitely exists. So, yes, Derek Lewis, after this fight, said funny things as well. He said, I need to shit. Ha, ha, ha. I'm not really into that kind of thing. Um, obviously, it was organic, so it was a lot funnier. But the problem I have with that is... People are going to expect him to say something funny every time he fights. And in the end, it's just going to become contrived. Because all these things become contrived when people are in on the joke. And so you've got to just chill out a little. You know, you can't make this man be the court jester. He is a fighter. I feel like sometimes he might be thinking, what should I say after a fight? I don't want to disappoint anyone. Could be wrong though. He is a naturally funny guy. But, yeah, you know. And the other thing I have to say about Derek Lewis. He did win this weekend. <laughs> it sounds like I'm ragging on this guy. He did win. He performed excellently. He has said this the last three times he's fought. He said, I am not taking a fight unless I am 20 pounds lighter. He has said that, like, in the last three fights. What is wrong with this guy's conditioning? He obviously wants to help the conditioning out but he doesn't know what to do so I don't want to hear that the next time he fights I want to hear that yes I came in at 240 this time yes I have been working on my conditioning a lot this time yes I have not been eating bad food this time because that's probably what it is he's, he seems like he's very comfortable he needs to get out of the comfort zone maybe move away from Houston Maybe move from Houston, go somewhere, you know, change the scenery. It helps, trust me. Change the scenery always helps. So, yes. And Olenek after this fight. Now, where does Olenek go after this? I don't know. Listen, he's like 43. He's not going to get to the upper echelon. He is a perpetual gatekeeper in this division. If he wants to stick around, he wants to stick around. Look, and... There's no law that says if you're a perpetual gatekeeper that you should fuck off. Stay if you want to. Really, if you really want to, if that's what you really want to do, just stay. I'm not bothered. I really do not care. But this was a fun fight, a good fight. Derek Lewis won. Curtis Razorblades is angling to fight Derek Lewis next. Derek Lewis seemingly wants that fight. I think that fight will happen. I think it'll be a very, very tough fight for... Derek Lewis, especially if he does not take his conditioning seriously. Curtis Blades is a very big wrestler. 
huge wrestler. Obviously, in his last fight, he didn't look quote-unquote impressive. He didn't get a big win, but he did dominate that fight. He did dominate that fight, and he dominated it with his wrestling, and I think the same will happen again. I think that's a horrible matchup for Derek Lewis. And, by the way, can we stop talking about this just stand-up shit? Derek, that's just a joke, okay? That's not real, okay? Derek Lewis is obviously a very strong guy, has explosive power. But trust me, when Curtis Blades has him down, he ain't getting up, alright? He ain't getting up. So let's stop that bullshit that I keep hearing. The just stand up method. Not real, okay? Not real. And when he fights a big, strong heavyweight, he'll realize that shit ain't real. But anyway. No, no, I've been ragging on Derek Lewis. He did get the win. Funny guy. Not my cup of tea, personally. I don't like heavyweights like that. I like nimble, quick heavyweights. I like the stick and move, stick and move, you know? Don't like plotters, big fat bastards. And that's what he is. He's a big fat bastard. He needs to think about his conditioning. Because I'm sick of hearing every single time I need to come in lighter. Well, come in lighter then. Like, saying it... I don't understand what he means. Like, actions speak louder than words, Derek. If you really want to think about your conditioning, you should think about your conditioning. Alright? But, anyway. Let's talk about the co-main event. The main event, we had Chris Weidman taking on Dagestani Omari Akhmedov. This was not the greatest performance of Chris Weidman's career. He definitely needed a win. Was it a good fight? Yeah. It wasn't the greatest fight I've ever seen in my life. It was quite a boring fight, actually. But he did the job. 29-27 on two scorecards. 29-28 on another. I haven't seen which round they gave the 10-8 to, but I'm presuming it was the third round. And I've heard a lot of people say Chris Weidman looked really bad in this fight. I don't know. I don't think so. I think Akhmedov is a very good fighter. He was coming on a six-fight win streak. Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand this Chris Weidman's finished thing. Because Chris Weidman has obviously been in there with fucking killers. He's been in there with killers for a very long time. At middleweight, he fought a whole list of killers. Luke Rockhold. Yoel Romero. Went up to light heavyweight. Dominic Reyes, Jacare Souza. I mean, he's just fought monsters. I think what was a really telling part about this fight as well was Ray Longo in between rounds in the second and third rounds where he said, Chris, you've got to show me something. This is it. Five minutes. Five minutes. Because he knew the fight was tired. He knew going into that third round, the judges' scorecards were tired. And what I got from that third round was that Chris Weidman proved his mettle. He got the guy into mount. This, these Dagestanis are very good wrestlers. Look at Abim. Look at Chimiev. Keep saying that guy's name wrong. But look, Khabib 2.0. Look at these guys. They're fucking good wrestlers. Something in the water in Dagestan. They're wrestling bears. But the third round was a big moment in this fight. Because... 
both fighters knew everything was up in stake, especially Chris Weidman. If Chris Weidman lost this fight, I think he would have been going 6-1 and one in his last seven fights. Six losses, one win. He needed this win. And he showed in the third round, by dominating proceedings, that he has still got it. When push comes to shove, he will deliver. And not a lot of fighters, when push comes to shove, will deliver like that. He showed he has the heart of a champion. And obviously, Chris Weidman had a bad weight cut for this fight. He struggled with the weight cut, apparently, because since he'd moved up to 205, stepped down again to 185. That is sometimes a really hard weight cut. You know, look back at Roy Jones Jr. Roy Jones Jr. steps up to heavyweight, builds all that muscle mass, has to lose it all again, by the way, through steroids. Whatever, though. Loses all that muscle mass again, drops down to light heavyweight, middleweight, and he has no chin. That's what I was worried about with Chris Weidman coming into this fight. Will he have a chin? Will that chin still hold up? He got knocked out by Dominic Reyes, but listen, there's no shame in getting knocked out by Dominic Reyes. Dominic Reyes is a great fighter. He showed in that John Jones fight that he is a great fighter. Now, we can speak about John Jones' effort level in this fight. They're dangerous fights for people like John Jones because he's not really up for them, is he? Not really. That's why he wants to move up to heavyweight so bad because he's sick of fighting these no names. That doesn't mean Dominic Reyes isn't a great fighter, though. He is a great fighter. So, was I unimpressed by Chris Weidman watching this fight? Not really. I thought Chris Weidman fought a good fight. I thought Akhmedov is better than people are giving credit for. Obviously, he's not Habib. Obviously, he's not Zabit. Obviously, he's not one of the Dagestani specials. But he is still a top fighter. And a top wrestler. And for Chris Weidman to dominate the wrestling as he did in the third round means a lot. It really does. So, yes, that is my thoughts on Chris Weidman versus Akhmedov. Chris Weidman did well in this fight. And, yeah. Alright, the next fight on this card, we had Darren Stewart from London, England. Hold tight, Darren Lewis. Shit. <laughs> Darren Lewis. Hold tight, Darren Stewart, as they say, or big ups, Darren Stewart. No, Darren Stewart fought well in this fight. He fought Mark Patolo, the Hawaiian. Lots of Hawaiians in this sport. A lot of Hawaiians. A lot of Dagestanis, a lot of Hawaiians. And all the Hawaiians are the same. They love to fight. They love to scrap. <laughs> they all do. There's no Hawaiian that doesn't love to scrap. Shout out to BJ Penn. Get well, BJ Penn, too. Also, get well. This was a close fight on the feet. This was a very close fight on the feet. I thought Darren Stewart was going to lose this round before he submitted Mark Patolo with a guillotine. Obviously, he got the guillotine. He got the win. Doesn't have many submissions on his record. Lots of KOs. And you can see from looking at the guy's thighs, those big thighs, that he generates a lot of power. But Mark Patolo was stinging him. He was stinging him. He was wobbling him. But Darren Stewart was obviously fighting for something a little deeper that night. And we saw that after the fight where he got out the tribute shirt for his friend who had passed away, his training partner. I forget the guy's name. He was stabbed, apparently, a month before the fight. So... There was a lot riding on this fight for Darren Stewart. Emotionally, personally. He needed this win. He got this win. He got this win with a submission. A very, very well-executed guillotine as well. 
And yeah, I'm interested to see what Darren Stewart does in the future. I thought the tribute was very nice. He's a good lad, it seems. And yeah, there's not much more I can say about this fight. He got the guillotine, it looked great. On the feet, he maybe was a bit questionable, but maybe he was a little too eager to get in there. I, you know, I understand that with everything going on. He was fighting with a heavy heart, so it's not surprising that he would be so emotional going into this fight, but he absolutely was. So yes, Darren Stewart wins by submission, submits Mark Patolo. Good work, lads. That's really all I've got to say about this fight. Rest in peace to his friend as well. But yeah. Okay, the next fight on this card we had was a women's bantamweight fight was Konitskaya versus Stolyarenko. This was a fucking boring fight. An effective fight by Konitskaya, but a boring fight. A lot of time spent up against the fence, taking away the movement from her opponent, zapping all the energy from her opponent. She fought a good fight. Did she fight an exciting fight? Not really. It won't do much for her stock, this fight. She got the win, but yes, it was quite a boring fight. She knew what to do, obviously. It was an effective fight. Am I going to be writing home about this performance? No, do I think Konetskaya is a monster at this weight division? Not really. But it was fun, actually, to see Tiago Santos in the corner. It's good to see, apparently, he's the boyfriend of Konetskaya. Don't know too much about their relationship, so I can't... Did not know about it prior. Don't really care about that kind of thing. But it was fun. It's very cool to see Tiago Santos as a corner man. He was giving her good advice. She didn't really follow the advice too much. He was telling her to be more proactive. She wasn't really. She, But listen, you can't hate her for that performance because she fought a very effective fight. She fought really well, actually. Is she going to get a push after this fight? Absolutely not. She needs to fight a lot better in her next fight. And what I mean by better is she has to win big. She did not win big. This is the UFC where... There are things called performance bonuses. Yes, I think performance bonuses are disgusting, but they exist. And since we're in this system, you need to fight as if it is your god. And another thing I want to talk about during this fight is the cage grabbing by Kunitska. This is just a little tidbit. I thought she grabbed the fence way too much and the referee was not assertive enough. Now, obviously, it's very difficult to call for a point to be taken in a three-round fight because it really means a lot in a fight. But the referee should have taken her position away from her, taken away the clinch position from her because she persistently did it. She did it about three or four times during the fight. That's enough for a referee to go, hey, let's bring this back into the middle of the cage. I'm taking away your position from you. He should have done that. He should have been a little more assertive. Other than that, though, can't fault for Kanatskaya for a performance. She fought well. Yeah. That's really all I've got to say about this fight. Boring fight. All right. Next up, we had the return of Benil Dariush versus Josh Holtman. 
This is the second straight KO for Dariush, who's usually thought of as a wrestler. Definitely didn't look like a wrestler tonight. He looked like an MMA fighter. Put it all together. Looked like a mixed martial artist in there. One thing we have to mention about Dariush is that he did fail to make weight. This has obviously been a reoccurring theme in the COVID era of fights that it's a lot harder for training is a lot harder for these guys. Making weight is a lot harder for these guys. But he did fail to make weight. Obviously, he was very apologetic after the fight. I like that. I don't think it'll happen again. Let's talk about the technique Darius used to finish Holtzman. He used a spinning back fist. Now, you've got to be careful about that technique. Especially how he landed on that technique. He landed with his forearm on the head. Sometimes that spells bad news. Sometimes you're going to break your forearm doing that. You're going to snap the arm doing that. So you've got to make sure you connect with the fist. That's why I don't like the spinning back fist too much. I think uh, it's the risk-reward is a little too uh, uneven. There's a lot more risk than there is reward. I think that was the only the eighth spinning back fist KO in UFC history. So it's not even that effective as a strike. Um, yeah, I'm not a fan of the spinning shit, really. I think, you know, just stick to the fundamentals, stick to the basics, use your jab. You know, the jab's the best, guys. The, the jab is so underrated, guys. The jab and the takedown. You know, the jab and the single leg or double leg takedown. They are your two best friends. Obviously, Darius looked good tonight. He looked like a mixed martial artist. He didn't rely on his wrestling as much as he had in the past. As I said, this is second straight KO. This was a walk-off KO. And let's not diminish this KO because Holtzman had never been finished in his career. He's a tough guy. He looked like a tough guy in this fight too. He was taking some shots. He was eating some shots. But he looked good. So, great win for Darius in this fight. He fought well. Need I say more? Nah. He looked good. Alright, now on to the prelim main event. I don't think this should have been the prelim main event, by the way. I think Kevin Holland versus Joaquin Buckley should have been the main event of the prelims. Whatever, though. That's just my opinion. Hindsight is twenty twenty, obviously. Um, Tim Means showed in this fight why he is the consummate professional. He... Missed weight originally, missed weight by a pound and a half. His opponent missed weight, Strapoli, missed weight as well, the Argentinian. He missed weight as well, and what I love about this is that if I was Tim Means and my opponent missed weight, I would have said, well, I'm not making weight. You know, I'm not going to struggle for another 60 minutes to make weight. But no, he did, and he showed why he's a consummate professional, got that chi up, you know what I mean? And that's maybe what got him the win. No. Oh, he fought a very good fight. He fought like a professional in this fight. He fought... Obviously, he comes out of the Jackson Wink camp, one of the best camps in MMA. Great for game planning as well, that camp. Showed in this fight why they were so good for game planning. As I was talking about in the Darius fight, Strapoli was throwing too much spinning shit. Stop that shit, seriously. Why do people love throwing so much spinning stuff? It annoys me so much. They're not effective strikes. 
your opponent can see them coming from a mile away. He was ducking out of dodge every single time. So, yeah, I think Strapoli needs to go back to the drawing board. I think he needs to stop with the spinning shit. I really do. It's not effective. Tim Means fought like a pro. When did you ever see Tim Means throwing spinning shit? He don't do that. He fights like the consummate professional he is. He fights like a veteran. So Strapoli, obviously his fight IQ in this fight was way off. If he wants to become a better fighter, he needs to think about that. He needs to think about, why am I throwing these strikes? Am I throwing these strikes because I want the highlight knockout? And that's the other thing, guys. You will not get a knockout if you force the knockout. And when you throw techniques like a spinning heel kick, you are basically forcing the knockout. Unless you're Edson Barbosa and you can't telegraph that and you're just throwing it very loosely. Otherwise, you're going to be in trouble. And Strapoli was in trouble in this fight. Oh, and also, it tires you out a lot. Missing strikes like that gasses you out so much. Strapoli, he needs to go back to the drawing board. And Tim Means, showing why he is the consummate professional. Showing why he is Tim Means. Showing why this could have been a great scalp for Strapoli, but he just could not get the job done. So, yes. Alright, next fight on this card in the prelims was... The real main event of the prelims was Kevin Holland versus Joaquin Buckley. Now, I love Kevin Holland. I think he's a stud. And not only is he a stud, but he has such a great personality. He talks too much. He is... Biting his opponent's ear off in the ring. I love it. No, I love this guy. I think also he's a very clinical striker. He showed that against Joaquin Buckley. I actually watched Joaquin Buckley's last fight um, by chance. I watched him fight uh, Goss, or Gosh, I think it is. Um, yeah, just by chance in the UFC fight pass. LFA was trending. So I was like, yeah, I'll watch this, I suppose. See what this guy's doing. You know, I like watching the regional MMA scene sometimes just to see, you know, a little boring fight, even if it's a boring fight, you know. It's, it's nice to see people following their dreams. Obviously, Gosh was a older fighter. He didn't have much in the tank left. That's the feeling I got watching the fight. But Joaquin Buckley looked good. He looked good in this fight too, but Kevin Holland was obviously just a step above. Kevin Holland is a fantastic striker. That knockout was brilliant. He had the guy's mouthpiece flying out. <laughs> you don't see that too often. But yeah, best knockout of the night, obviously, for Kevin Holland. He fought extremely well. I love how he talks so much. Like, I love that. He's like Muhammad Ali-esque almost. He just loves talking to his opponent. And it really gets their opponent off their game as well. It kind of wigs them out a little. And he was saying to Joaquin Buckley, I thought you were going to talk. Let's talk. Come on, let's talk. And Joaquin Buckley was <laughs> trying to obviously be serious in the fight. And that's what I love about Coven Holland as well. He's so loose in there. A loose fighter is a dangerous fighter. He was so loose with the striking. His personality is so loose. He's smiling before fights. He's not doesn't seem too nervous. Obviously, everyone's nervous before they fight, but he looks like he's born for this. And it's those little intangibles that set you apart 
from other fighters. And Kevin Holland, big thumbs up. This is my star of the week. We might do this segment where we talk about our star of the week. Kevin Holland is my star of the week for this fight. He looked awesome. So Kevin Holland, well done, my friend. You've got a good career ahead of you. Obviously, he's going to come up against some stylistic matchups that might not favor him. He's not unbeatable, obviously, but he has intangibles that make you want to watch him, that make you turn on the TV, that make you say, oh, Kevin Holland's fighting tonight? I'm going to watch that. He's another guy that talks to his opponent during the fight. He didn't talk mad shit during his fights. Yes, I will watch that. So, Kevin Holland, big thumbs up, star of the week, looked great. All right, now let's talk about the Hackparast versus Munoz fight next. All right, let's talk about fight number three of the prelim card. So we're going down the card. We're going like top to bottom on this podcast. This was Hackparast, the German fighter, German Afghan fighter, I think. He fought Alexander Munoz. Munoz, this was his debut in the UFC. He was 6-0. and He was undefeated coming into this fight. So, not an easy fight for Hakparas by any means. Not a favorable matchup. Obviously, he got the job done. He looked good. And by the way, can we talk about the circular marks on the back of Hakparas? Isn't that just the weirdest thing? I don't get that. I know there's probably some sports science thing, but I don't know. I think it's a lot of shit, to be honest. Because if it was real, everyone would be fucking doing it. So... Hack Brass, thumbs down for that weird back shit you've got. Don't like that at all. Got a weird left nipple as well. But let's not talk about that. Let's talk about Hack Brass's performance. Because he looked good in this fight. He looked very good in this fight. As I said, Munoz coming into this fight undefeated. He's coming from a good camp as well. Team Alpha Male. Uri Faber was in his corner. Um, So yeah, obviously he has good training partners. Especially at that weight class. Now he's bigger than the better fighters at Team Alpha Male at lightweight and by the way let's talk about how crazy lightweight is guys these, these were two unranked opponents I think Hackparast might be in the rankings next week obviously the rankings are a lot of shit but he could be but that's just how crazy this division is because Hackparast he's been on people's radars for a long time maybe not a long time but definitely for a good amount of time and he still has not cracked the top 15 so obviously, this is a really impressive weight division. He fought well in this fight. His takedown defense, except for the first minute of the fight, was very good. Incredible hack press takedown defense. Munoz just had nothing for him. Absolutely nothing for him. Yeah, in the in the first round, it was more tightly matched. He got caught cold, hack press, with that first takedown. He succumbed to. But... After that, the second and third round, Munoz had nothing for him. Absolutely nothing for him. He was outbeaten in every department, outstruck, outworked, outhustled. He didn't get the knockout, but listen, when someone's coming in 6-0, and when someone's coming in 6-0, and they're going to be hard to stop. They're going to be hard to be knocked out. Do I, am I going to say he's a bum for not knocking out Alexander Munoz? No. 
tough guy to finish. Has never been beaten, let alone finished. Handed his first loss today. Munoz will be back in the UFC. I think he's proved his metal in this fight because Hak Paras is a great fighter. So, yeah, that's just my thoughts on that fight. All right, let's talk about this Andrew Sanchez versus Wellington Terman fight. This was the second fight of the night, excluding the early prelims. Sorry, just dropping my notepad. Wellington Terman was the favorite in this fight, a very close favorite, and this was a reoccurring theme throughout the whole fight night, was close favorites, good matchups, very good matchups. And Wellington Terman fought a bloke called Andrew Sanchez. Andrew Sanchez has the best hairstyle in the UFC. Move over Sean O'Malley. This guy with his mullet is awesome. And the mullet is becoming a real trendy haircut. Very happy about that. A lot of the cool kids wearing that haircut. El- Andrew Sanchez is a cool kid. Obviously. And he did say after the fight, it was the power of the mullet. It was the mullet. But no, his striking looked really good in this fight. He usually is a wrestler. Andrew Sanchez in Wellington Terman is a fantastic Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner, by all accounts. So this was definitely the grappler versus grappler matchup. So we're going to just swang and bang. We're going to strike because we rate each other's grappling. And that's how exactly how this fight went. He looked good in this fight. Andrew Sanchez, he got that brilliant knockout, that one, two, left, right, bing, boom. He looked good in this fight. And obviously he comes from TriStar, the famous gym from Montreal. His head coach is Vera Sahabi. Yeah, and that looks like it's been a great move for him. He's improved his striking tremendously. Obviously he still has his wrestling to fall back on, and... He was saying that when he was in The Ultimate Fighter, the reality TV show that the UFC have, he said he could not know how to throw a strike. Andrew Sanchez didn't even know how to throw a strike. So to see his striking improve so much in the few years he's had as an active MMA fighter just proves that he could be a problem. Wellington Terman, his opponent, will be back. He fought someone, in my opinion, who was very good maybe a step above he's going to be a top 10 guy i think and uh yeah that's all i have to say about that fight great fight all right now last fight on this card the first fight of the card really because we're doing this top to bottom so we just got the we got the construction workers in today they working hard you might hear that but the first fight on this card was gavin tucker Versus Justin James. Gavin Tucker, a Canadian fighter. He looked great in this fight. I mean, first round, he went through a bit of adversity. Justin James knocked him down, um, attempted a guillotine. It looked like he might be finished, but no, he got out of the guillotine. He fought well. After the second round, Justin James was incredibly frustrated. He couldn't land a punch on the guy. He was... Always second best for that fight. And Gavin Tucker, what I liked about this performance is, yes, he got knocked down. Yes, he nearly got submitted. But that's the character you need to show sometimes. He got the job done. He nearly lost his shorts. (laughs) He nearly lost his shorts in the meantime. Trying to get a head and arm choke. He looked great. I mean, 
good shorts as well. I'm pretty sure they were Reebok as well, so Reebok can't get angry at him. They can't get angry that he nearly lost his shorts, which would be ridiculous, but I mean, Reebok have been just ridiculous, you know, so I wouldn't put it past them to find that guy for losing his shorts in the ring. Yeah, Gavin Tucker was just making Justin James miss. He was swinging in air a lot of the time. It looked like he only had one game plan, which was to bum rush him and try catch him. And look, he nearly did it. He nearly did it. But Gavin Tucker obviously had more wrinkles to his game, a lot more wrinkles to the striking as well, uh, with a TP kick, um, a lot of fluidity, very loose in the ring. Yeah, great body work as well. He was kicking high, hoping he would block, just to open that body up though. And that's what a lot of fighters need to do. Just try work the body. I love that. I love seeing great body kicks. I saw a body kick from Sean O'Malley this week. I think it might have been... I don't think it was in his last fight. I forget who he was fighting, but you see the imprint he left on his opponent, and it's like, oh my god. You hit that guy. Ugh, yuck. And yeah, Gavin Tucker, he... It's been very inconsistent as well in his career. He's had a lot of injuries, a lot of pushbacks, but he fought like a guy who had it all figured out tonight. I don't know how he's going to go. This was a featherweight fight. Don't know how he's going to fit into the picture at featherweight. He needs a couple more wins. He did say that after the fight that I need to be more consistent. I need to have, I need to fight in the next three months. So, and yeah, he definitely does. So yeah, this was a good fight. An incredible fight. You know, it was an early fight of the night contender. Gavin Tucker got the job done. A rear naked choke victory. And he worked so well to get that rear naked choke. He was switching the body triangles so often. Which was so awesome to see. He he looked really fluid on the ground. So, yeah. Great performance by him. I would love to see him back in the ring as quickly as I can. Same with Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland looked great as well. So, in fact, I might actually do two stars of the week. My two stars of the week are Gavin Tucker and Kevin Holland. Both on the prelims. So, guys, if you're not watching the prelims, you're sleeping. You're sleeping on these guys because these guys are so good. So, please watch the prelims. I know I sound like a UFC employee here, but watch the prelims. Because in a few years' time, you're going to be like, oh, I remember seeing that guy. You know, when he's on the main card. Oh, when he's fighting for a title. Oh, I, I was there. I was there when he was on the prelims. It's very fun. I love that sort of stuff. That was all the fights we're going to be talking about on this card. It was a very fun card. I really enjoyed this card a lot more than I have other fight night cards, except for Whitaker versus Till. I thought that was an excellent fight night card. And yeah. All right, now let's get into the news of the week. Biggest news, I would say, is that Yoel Romero is out of his fight against Uriah Hall. Now, I'm very disappointed for this because I thought Yoel Romero would be very good in this fight. I thought this was a very good stylistic matchup for Yoel Romero, a good fight to get him back in the win column. I did favor him a lot in this fight. But no, he's out of this fight. He's getting a lot older, which is very sad. I mean... Those Cuban steroids can only work so long. You know, he's not going to be made of steel forever, but... Yeah, very sad. Not good for his career, obviously, because, you know, you are only as good as your last fight in this sport, and his last fight was not very good. I Again, I did score it for him. I did think he beat Adesanya, but thinking he beat Adesanya in this fight is like... 
whatever, you know. If they gave when they did give it to Adesanya, I wasn't like, oh, what, what? That's light of shit, you know, because neither man really did do enough to win. You know, it was uh, they should have really given it a draw. You know, it was a, a total draw of a fight, not a draw in that sense, guys. The fight's not going to draw any money again. There's no Yoel Romero versus Israel Adesanya too. This will not happen. But yes, Yoel Romero's out of his fight, so they're going to have to get a new replacement for Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall, very flashy striker, got a lot of knockouts. I thought it would be a very favorable matchup stylistically for Yoel Romero, as I just said. And yeah, very disappointed. I love watching Yoel Romero in the ring. I think he's a monster. He is the boogeyman of that division still. That's my thoughts on that. Very sad. More news coming out of the UFC 252 card is that Ankilev versus Kutaleba is going to be off the card. That's very sad. I was really looking forward to this fight because those guys swanged and banged last time. This is a rematch. It ended very prematurely, very controversially after the referee thought... Kutaleba was, um, he was out on his feet essentially, but it really he was just playing possum to try draw Ankalev in. Kutaleba's a fucking wild man, guys. So, very sad about that news. This would have been a cracker fight to open the main card. Not sure what's going to open the main card now. I'm sh- maybe the main event of the prelims will slot into that position. But, yeah, very sad. I don't know who was injured. I just know the fight is off. Very disappointed about that. And yeah, I'm sure we'll see these guys match up soon because this is a fight people want to watch. Alright, I did speak about this last episode, but I suppose the fight has been signed. We are going to be seeing Colby Covington, Colby Chaos Covington versus Tyron Woodley. Now, Tyron Woodley is coming off two losses. He's not exactly fighting uh, so well in his last two fights. He coasted defeat, really, in his last two fights. And you don't want to do that in this sport. As I said before, you don't want to do that. And this is a make-or-break fight for Tyron Woodley. This is a very hard fight for Tyron Woodley. I think it's all wrong for him. I think Colby Covington is a problem for this guy. And I'm just going to say it again. I am so disappointed that this fight didn't happen at UFC 235, I think it was, when Tyron Woodley ultimately fought Kamara Usman for the welterweight title. I really believe that Colby Covington should have got that shot. That fight had a lot of heat to it. and uh, But obviously he didn't. Kamara Usman has proved himself to be a wonderful champion. He's a brilliant champion. The GSP of our era, I think. But yeah, this will be a very hard fight for Tyron Woodley. Tyron Woodley will struggle in this fight. He just has a right hand and good wrestling. And really, these days, he's been dismissing his wrestling a lot. And when you're fighting a guy like Colby Covington, who is a volume puncher, who will grind you out in the wrestling, I think it's all wrong for him. You know, I was very confident when I spoke about this fight last that Colby Covington will win. I don't think it's going to be if... Colby Covington wins. I think it's going to be when Colby Covington wins. And I think the big story about this fight, you know, I could be speaking too soon, is that we don't know what Tyron Woodley will do after this fight. Will he stay in the UFC? I hope not. 
I really hope he goes to Bellator for his sake. I feel like he is one foot out, one foot in. I feel like he wants to be a rapper a little too much. And look, if you want to be a rapper, as I said in the last episode, or in the first episode, I think, if you want to be a rapper, be a rapper. There's, I do not care. Like, thank you, Tyron Woodley, for all the memories, if that is the case. You know, I'm not going to cry that he wants to become a rapper. I'm not going to say, what a bum, because he's been doing this for a long time. And that's the thing with these wrestlers as well. They've been doing this grind since they were kids. So Tyron Woodley, after he loses his fight, should he go to Bellator? I think so. Should he retire? Maybe. Become a full-time rapper? Maybe. Yeah, and I like Tyron Woodley. I think he's a great personality as well. But I just think in the UFC, you don't get enough chance to show your personality as you would somewhere like Bellator, where personalities are more drawn out. There's a lot more freedom of character in Bellator. And that's my thoughts, again, on Colby Covington versus Tyron Woodley. There's no date for this fight. It's going to be in September, people think. So, sure, they're in training camp right now for this fight. So, yeah. Tyron Woodley versus Colby Covington. I think Colby Covington will get that W. Alright, and this is news. Robbie Lawler is reportedly stepping in for Jeff Neal to fight Neil Magny. This is very disappointing news, obviously, for Jeff Neal. Jeff Neal has a lot of hype around him, a lot of steam around him. People think he's destined for great things. I don't know. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. A lot of people certainly don't want to fight the guy. That's what I'm getting. But Robbie Lawler showing his game as always. He's getting on a bit now. He hasn't looked that great in his last few fights. He was absolutely destroyed by Colby Covington. But yeah, Robbie Lawler, game guy, a legend of this sport, coming in on short notice to fight Neil Magny. Neil Magny obviously isn't Jeff Neal, but big ups to Robbie Lawler. What more can I say? Great guy. And before I go, guys, let's just talk for a second about how much I love Joe Martinez, the announcer, the ring announcer for this fight night card. Usually it's Bruce Buffer or it's Joe Martinez or it's someone else, but usually it's Joe Martinez or Bruce Buffer. And I love Joe Martinez. He's so underrated. I know a lot, not a lot of people share my excitement for these type of things, but he is just so good, so underrated. I honestly prefer him to Bruce Buffer. I know Bruce Buffer has more quotables, but as a ring announcer, God, Joe Martinez is just so good. He's just so good at his job, and he does a lot of boxing as well. I'm always seeing this guy. Bruce Buffer is more of a UFC commodity. But that's not to say Bruce Buffer ain't awesome. It's time! You know, it's uh, it's very WWE, the job that Bruce Buffer does. But the job that Joe Martinez does, ah, I love it. Ah, he's so good. But anyway, that's my thoughts on everything I saw this week. Everything. I'm sure I missed a lot of stuff. I'm sure there's stuff people are saying, why didn't you talk about this? Head like a sieve, guys. We're going to change that. We're going to get better and better and better as we do this. Obviously, that's how these things work, I hope. Editing will be a lot better on this episode, I hope. <laughs> so embarrassed listening back to it. And I was like, ah, I didn't edit that part out. Oh, God. You know, but we'll work on that. And before I go, guys, last thing, I want to talk about a friend of mine 
Caleb Rosetto. He competed in his first jiu-jitsu tournament over the weekend in New Zealand. His first ever one. He's only been doing this since December. He got gold, guys. He got gold. He won. So, yeah, big ups to Caleb Rosetto for winning your first ever jiu-jitsu tournament. That is just insane. Could be beginner's luck. Maybe. I don't know. Nah. Surely not, right? And... Yeah, I watched a video of it, and you guys weren't. You guys were like, who gives a fuck? But I watched a video of it, and he just pulls guard. Pulls the guard. And then he flips him over to get top position. Guys, why don't more people do that? I know you can't do that without a gi, but man. I love that assertive game he plays. So, Caleb Rosetto, big ups, man. You're my third star of the week. And yeah, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. This was just a little quick episode. Maybe not a quick episode. But, yeah, that's it for episode three. Thank you so much for listening. Peace out. I'll see you another time. Bye-bye.